don't forget that the PCPS is here because of listeners like you. We are a people-powered program, fully supported by monetary contributions from our members on Patreon. We quite literally could not do it without you. If you'd like to become a supporter, visit our website or our link in bio and click on the Patreon link. You can join for as little as the price of one Swanson Frozen TV dinner. Just one! But that TV dinner goes a long way in helping us keep the lights on and the bills paid. Every dollar helps this podcast and this community grow, reaching more listeners and creating more episodes. And in return for your support, we'll send you thank you gifts in the form of podcast outtakes, videos of our recording sessions, and invitations to members-only events. Thanks to you, we think we have something pretty special going on, and we are just getting started. Thanks for your time, your support, and all those good vibes. And please enjoy the show. Do you know how it starts out real slow and then she ends with, hurry, hurry, don't be late. I can't wait. wait, wait. I I got got to celebrate. celebrate. It's It's a a fact. We, we got a first rate act. Yeah. So oh I God. actually kind of still love it. Um, and even though I've been oversaturated with Barbara, I kind of make love. May or may not. The main event. Guys, right here. This da, is da, why da, this da. podcast works. How many other three people could get together and sing the lyrics to main event, write that like that on a dime? Hello, world. There's a song that we're singing. Come on, get a whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who thought Dolly Madison was famous for her donuts and snack cakes. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we'll be saving the music that came out of our transistors, our car stereos, and our Mickey Mouse radios. Panasonic, GE, or Radio Shack, it doesn't matter. We'll be saving the songs that are certified by us to be AM Radio Gold, specifically from the year 1979. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle, and we are your pop culture preservationists. Welcome to our second installment of an ongoing series called AM Radio Gold, celebrating the songs we heard when AM Radio was king, or more precisely, when AM Radio was all we had. Because if you were listening to the radio prior to 1980, whether it was in the car, in the kitchen, or on your nightstand, or on that little transistor radio you held to your ear, it was most definitely on the AM frequency. Our first episode of AM Radio Gold was released back in August of 2022 and focused on songs from the year 1977. But today, we're focusing on the year 1979, when disco was king, Superman was in the theaters, and Irma Bombeck was on all of our mom's nightstands. I was still listening to Casey Kasem every Sunday night, but I no longer had to do it in secret, hiding my transistor radio under my pillow. Now I was old enough to sit up in bed and listen on my clock radio without fear of getting busted. And I had also started recording the top 10 in a special notebook using a special purple pen and a new handwriting style that I was working on. For me, 1979 gave us some of the most memorable music in my personal history. I was 11 years old and clearly coming into my own musically in 1979 because it was almost painful choosing songs for today's episode. It was like choosing your children and the ones you didn't choose would have to die. That's how it felt to me. Oh, gosh, you're right. 1979 was an epic year for me. 
It was smack dab in the middle of my eighth grade year when 1979 starts. Then I'm going from middle school to a high schooler. Really, one of the most pivotal years in my young girl's life. Truly, I was coming of age. It was a year of becoming, a year of immense transition. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kristen, I love how you said, and I was trying out a new kind of handwriting. That's so relatable to all of us listening. (laughs) Am I going to make my A's like this? Or sometimes Uh the E looked like a C, but then you just put the little line. With a little line. Yes. That was exactly, it was like combo of printing and handwriting together, and it was straight up and down and very round. Yeah. Yes. And you know, let's just stop for a minute and think, we didn't have social media. We didn't have, you know, people on TikTok. How did you in Minnesota, me and Texas and then New Jersey for 79 and Michelle in wherever I was. Yeah, California yeah. or wherever. Um, how did we all know the E with, or, know. You know, the, e with the C and the C oh, and the funky question. S? Yes. Oh, the S. And then mm-hmm. sometimes you dot your I oh, with a circle. That, right. a or a circle. heart. Or a heart. Yes. Or a mm-hmm. heart. Yeah. Well, I turned 10 in March of 1979. And the year 1979 was one of two of the most traumatic years of my childhood for reasons I don't need to get into again. (laughs) But let's just say I have many feelings about 1979. First half was fine. Summer was tragic. Fall, half tragic, half fine. Um, (laughs) So I think though musically, I was just really starting to enjoy music of my own. Like not always songs my mom was playing on her turntable. Although as you'll hear, one of my most memorable was definitely my mom's choice. But I think in 1979, I was starting to really have my own opinions of music Mm -hmm. and mostly songs I skated to happily at the roller rink. But still, I think I was starting to take agency over what I liked and not somebody, not just having to like what somebody else was playing or dislike Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. I was, the dawn of 1979 was when I moved from, I'm in fifth grade and in the middle of fifth grade, I move from the city to the suburbs. And so that alone is a difficult thing that I had to switch schools in the middle of the school year. Tragic. Don't ever do that, parents. Don't do it. It's bad. So bad. Um, But there was a cultural shift in the place that I was coming from and the placing that I was going to, which resulted in me going from a place where I felt Um, very much like myself and where I had friends who were just like me and we had a good old time moving to a place where there were not people like me. Mm -hmm. And I was left flapping in the wind going, who will be my friend? It could be that the reason that I was so into music is because I was hanging out by myself in my room. Yeah, I'm going to echo that, Kristen, because I moved from Texas to New Jersey in 1978, right before my eighth grade year started. So another not recommended time to move is (laughs) between seventh and eighth grade Uh of your child's uh, junior high year. So um, I, too, as I was picking, choosing my songs, was realizing I think I was in my room a lot feeling sorry for myself, Um, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, that beginning of 1979 and that um, kind of first summer in New Jersey in 1979. So I, I feel yet, Kristen. Mm-hmm. You, you also bring up a good point about um, moving when you're in maybe late uh, elementary school, middle school, when you're starting to kind of come into your own with your musical tastes, because it's happened to all three of us. And I'm sure listeners, it's happened to many of you too. But especially if you move from one part of the country to another, mm-hmm. where musical tastes are different. You know what you like, but do you switch your musical tastes to 
to fit in. Yes, right? the answer or not. is yes. And so this is a very this <laughs> yeah. adds a whole other layer to that very uncomfortable growing up and coming right. of age yes. and being true to yourself or not. A musical, what choices musical. are you going to make? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is when it begins. What choices are you going to make in order to either be yourself or fit in? Mm-hmm. Ah, that's horrible. That's a whole nother that's a that's a whole nother podcast. Not podcast <laughs> <It is>. episode. <laughs> yeah. That's another podcast. That's a podcast. <laughs> that's true. So suffice it to say, the music of 1979 was huge, not just in our personal lives, but historically. To see how big 1979 was, all you have to do is look to the Grammy Awards of 1980, which gives awards to music released in the previous year. So this was the 22nd Grammy Awards, and it was hosted by Kenny Rogers, even though he was a nominee. Do you guys know for which song? I'm going to say The Gambler. Yes, so that's ding, what ding, I want to say because I was yes. going to say which of all of mm-hmm. his would be in that time frame. You got no when to hold up, no when to fold up, no when to walk away, and no when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the deal ends done. Here we are in the era of disco, and here comes The Gambler. That's a pretty country song, and we're all singing along. Mm-hmm. You guys, it was so iconic. They made a TV movie of the week. That's right. The Gambler. Yes, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. The 1980 Grammys for the 1979 songs um, was also notable for being the first year to have a designated category for rock music. That's not what you thought I was going to say. No. You thought I was going to say I something see. else. Yes, yeah, I did. I did. For rock music. I mean, what? Isn't that what we're here for? What are the Grammys for? What would have been what was the category that they would have put rock music in before? Isn't I have no I have no unlistenable right? (laughs) Satanic. (laughs) It was also this will get us more on track now. It was also the first year that an award was given out for. Best disco, disco recording. I was about to say. That's what you disco. thought I was going to yeah, say. I did. That makes a lot more sense. But also notably, this was the only year it was ever presented. <laughs> they must have had so many meetings about adding this category, and then they never presented it again. <laughs> but in a strange twist of irony, the first ever winner of Best Rock Vocal Performance was... Donna Summer. <laughs> Isn't that what you think of when you think of rock She's music? such a hard rocker. Yes, for hot stuff. Gosh, so much irony in, in I that know. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We've got wait, a wait. disco category, people. Yeah. Then wait, then what won disco? If that's rock, what did like, did... Oh, we'll I get there. Oh, I was going to say yeah, did like... We'll get uh, there. Black so Sabbath. the show, um, so the show, the Grammy show was opened by a song that is one of Michelle's picks. So we're going to talk about that one later. And the show was closed with what some consider to be the first ever Grammy moment when mm. former classmates from Erasmus High School in Brooklyn, New York, Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand came together for the very first time to perform You Don't Bring Me Flowers together. 
because they had never sung this song together before. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's a duet. They had never sung the song together before because You Don't Bring Me Flowers actually was an accidental hit. After some disc jockey spliced together Neil Diamond's song, You Don't Bring Me Flowers, with Barbara Streisand's cover of his song, You Don't Bring Me Flowers, on her album, Songbird. It's practically a novelty song. It's like us with our tape recorders and taping, you know, a little <laughs> bit off the radio, and then we're going to record our own, right? It's, it's a novelty song. And supposedly, this is one of the most enthusiastic audience reactions ever in Grammy history. You don't bring me flowers You don't sing me love songs You hardly talk to me anymore When I come through the door at the end of the day I, Can I say this is one of my most favorite fun facts that we have shared on the podcast I ever. <laughs> I, I can't believe it was an accidental hit. They'd never sung it together. It was just this DJ... You uh-huh. know, spinning records and does that. I mean, golly, talk huge about- song, yes. huge, yes, yes. And well, if that's yeah. available on YouTube, listeners, that's going in the Weekly Reader this week. That yes. performance, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, and again, if you haven't already subscribed to the Weekly Reader, please do that um, at our website, poppreservationists.com. Just a less than three minute read every Friday, um, full of show notes and extras and fun stuff. But I think we all need to see this. Right? I, I need to yeah. see this. Okay, so here are some winners and some nominees from the 1980 Grammys. Album of the Year was 52nd Street by Billy Joel. Record of the Year, What a Fool Believes by the Doobie Brothers. Here's the answer to your question, Michelle. The best disco recording. I'm going to give you all of the nominees, and you're going to tell me which one you think won. Okay. I Will Survive, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, Do You Think I'm Sexy, Boogie Wonderland, and Bad Girls. I'm just going to go with what I would pick. Yeah. And, oh, that's hard because it comes down to two. One is more singable for me and one is uh, one of my favorite, Roller Rink. So I'm going to go Roller Rink and I'm going to okay. go Boogie Wonderland. Okay. Ooh. Carolyn, what do you think? To me, the yeah, there are two that stand out as epic disco. Um, I'm going to say Bad Girls. The winner is... I will survive. That was my other choice. It's iconic, yes, my right? Other choice. It's oh, iconic. Because yes. yes. that's my iconic. Se- that's what you yeah. I mean to this day, right? Let's all right. let's all be real. Yeah. We all can wail on that song, oh, right? Everybody can karaoke yeah. I will survive. And I think and even our proudly. kids can. I think our yes. kids even know the words to I mm-hmm. will survive. It's- and this is definitely this category is where I was living in 1979 oh, yeah. because I have a personal story about every single one of those songs. And I don't know if I should bore you with that right now or not, but I all of those songs I have a personal relationship with. Here, I'll just give you one little snippet because it's the, it's the shortest story. Do you think I'm sexy? When we move in 1979, we have a brand new house. And the day that we move in, I go up to my brand new room, which has my brand new carpet that I picked out, which is the brightest green you can imagine. It was just like neon green carpeting and I got to pick it out. And all I have in there is my clock radio plugged into the wall and my Andy Gibb poster. And I turn on my clock radio for the very first time, anointing my new room, and I do a cartwheel. <laughs> and I'm guessing... Well, wait, is, do you think I'm yeah, sexy on the radio? Do you think I'm sexy we never got that. Radio. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Did <laughs> wait, I miss that important how fact? How do you remember things like that? That's it's, insane. It's also, stuck. It's just stuck 
sitting there, like in one of the folds of my brain. Of course. And also I'm thinking, when else could you really do a cartwheel in your bedroom? I mean, because of all the furniture. So that would be memorable in and of itself, like being able to do gymnastics in your bedroom. Yes. Do you think I'm sexy? children's recording jim henson and paul williams for the muppet movie you guys well deserved well deserved and one of my um favorite i guess i could say memories from 1979 is being at my best friend debbie's house she played the piano and she had the song book with the piano music to the entire muppet movie soundtrack (laughs) and we would sit there on the bench and she would play the music while god forbid i sang songs (laughs) Which means sometimes we have to start over when she makes a mistake. And I'm a horrible singer. I'm a, I'm a strong singer, but I'm not very good. And I'm right now pub- publicly apologizing to Debbie's mom, Mrs. Lynn, because she probably had to listen to me sing Rainbow Connection over and over and over again. And I'm sure that it wasn't pleasing to the ears. But that's okay. Don't apologize. Because Kermit like, couldn't sing well either. And you start out this whole story by saying, like, I'm a horrible singer, whatever. But go back to little Carolyn sitting on that piano bench and well, singing I was 13. loudly. And, okay, <laughs> I was fine. Whatever. But still, if you're singing loudly in a parent's house, knowing mom's in the house and can yeah. hear you, you don't care. You're, you know, you're singing like no one's listening. And that's how we all should sing. That's the thing about being a child is that you don't actually know that you can't sing. And so you just sing. <laughs> anyway, which is what we should all do. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. And rainbows have nothing to hide. All of these songs from the 1980 Grammys, it's a way more diverse list than I initially thought. I thought it would be 100% disco, maybe because that's where I was living. But you can see a real mix of music, including the emergence of Yacht Rock. Gotta love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this is 1979 is... If you guys follow our social media, you might remember that I recently acquired one of my missing KTEL albums, which is Hot Nights and City Lights. That is a 1979 KTEL album. It is 100% disco. And it is, I'm just going to read off these names to you. We Are Family, Ring My Bell, In the Navy, um, Knock on Wood, I Will Survive, Heart of Glass, um, Oh, and Shake Your Body Down to the Ground by the Jacksons. Shake Your Body Down to the Ground. That's the Roller Rink playlist. It is. It's a total Roller Rink playlist, the whole thing. And I lived for that album. I think Shake Your Body Down to the Ground is my favorite dance party song. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what I will turn on right now when I need a dance break. Oh, yeah. But today, today, our episode is not a history lesson. Today is personal. And Carolyn and Michelle and I are going to share the songs that we waited for on the radio. We'll tell you who we were, where we were, and what these songs meant to us. Who wants to go first? I'll go. Okay. So my songs, my top three songs I picked from 1979 are all 
over the place. Seriously, you guys, if you get concerned, I'm okay. Don't worry about me (laughs) much. (laughs) So my first song pick from 1979 is The Devil Went Down to Georgia by the Charlie Daniels Band. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, My name and that was the song that opened the 1980 Grammys. Mm-hmm. Well, for good reason. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So Devil Went Down to Georgia was the band's biggest hit. It reached number three on the Billboard Hot 100. And this song, to me, it's so memorable because I knew all the words to it in 1979. I still know all the words to it today. Why, how (laughs) 10-year-old Michelle knew these words, I have no idea, but... I loved it. I love to shout because I told you once, you son of a bitch, I'm the best that's ever been. <laughs> and which, depending on what radio station yeah, you listen say, to, it was probably censored to because yeah. I told you once, you son of a gun, son right? of a I'm gun. the best that's ever been. Yeah. I'm almost positive because this was the last summer I um, spent with my dad, and I'm sure he had that album. Like, I'm, I guarantee this is where this love of this song came from. But for me, I was all into this song for the story. Like I remember imagining it in my mind as I listened and sang. I could picture it like it was a movie playing in my head. And to me, you guys, the devil looked like Rumpelstiltskin, (laughs) which was my favorite fairy tale, still is. And there's similarities in Rumpelstiltskin and the story of Devil Went Down to Georgia. Not the same, but in my little mind, Mm -hmm. I made it. He comes in, he's got Mm -hmm. it, he has to have a test. He has to do something, right? Or else he's gonna. Um, Also, weirdly, do you guys remember this was played at the roller rink way more than I feel like it should have been? It was a huge roller skating song. It's not a roller skating song, but we love it. It's like a country song with a disco beat. So uh, obviously, I mean, incredible fiddle playing, incredible guitar, incredible piano. it was like a no-brainer that that was my yeah. first song. Um, fun fact, Charlie Daniels has stated in interviews, I don't know where the lyrics came from, but they just did. Oh, and then he says, scary. well, yeah. I think I might know where it came from. <laughs> it might have come from an old poem called The Mountain Whippoorwill uh, by Stephen Vincent Benet from many, many, many years ago, he says, 1925, that he had read in high school. Do you guys like it? Oh, Did you love oh, it at the I time? I do. And- I even the it's disco queen loves Devil Went Down to Georgia. I was a yeah. little scared of this song. It was the yeah, story was, was scary. scary. Well, so is Rumpelstiltskin. Yes. Rumpelstiltskin is scary. Mm-hmm. But did you also? It's it's a story. It's a whole story, and it's yeah. an interesting yeah. story. And it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And then mm-hmm. there's all this music, and the music gets yeah. more fiery. And and then there's a, a little disco song. guitar in the middle. And he pulled the bow across the strings, and it made an evil hiss. Then a band of demons joined in, and it sounded something like this. Well, 1979, as I've said, was a monumental year for me. And it was for music, as we just heard from you, Kristen. Um, So much growth for me personally was happening, and my musical tastes were evolving. So trying to choose three songs from this 1979 list 
seemed incredibly daunting. So as usual, I had to create some kind of a rubric just to help me (laughs) narrow down my choices. So I want to let all of you know, these are the three things that I had to consider before making my choice. One, I had to own the album or 45 of the song. Okay. So that was one. So that, you know, crossed out a few of them. Two, I had to be able to sing the majority of the lyrics now. Okay. And three, the choice has to reveal something about who I was at the time, kind of provide you guys with a little insight into 13-year-old Carolyn. So keep that in mind as, as I share. So um, you know how people refer to their inner child a lot? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got to say that I have had a 45-year-old woman living inside of me as oh. long as I can remember. <laughs> I'm going to call her – she's my alter ego – ego and we'll call her Carol. Okay. Cause okay. Carol sounds like a very 45 yeah. year old name. Mm-hmm. And Carol loved artists like Barry Manilow and Anne Murray and Dionne Warwick and Helen Reddy. So you should not be surprised by my first choice. It is Don't Cry Out Loud by <gasps> Melissa Manchester. Don't cry out loud. Just keep it inside. It, it is, is tragic. tragic. And this and the um story behind the lyrics is kind of tragic too. The the gentleman that wrote it just kind of grew up in one of those families with that toxic masculinity. We don't cry, oh, we don't show no. our feelings. And I can't remember one of his parents. Well, he had some tragedy in his life. And the message that his mother kind of gave him through this whole tragedy is, you know, we don't cry, like buck up and you know, be okay. So he wrote this song. So it's really um kind of a testament to what that was like and what how we felt growing up. Um, so a few people recorded it over time, but our friend Clive Davis, so I don't know if you guys remember our listeners, but we've talked about Clive before. He kind of had this magical way of finding a song and pairing it up with the person that he thought would bring mm-hmm. it to um, the masses. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, he thought that Melissa Manchester would be the perfect person to sing um, don't cry out loud. But Melissa did not really agree with that at first. Um, She really resisted. But she went ahead and did it. And Clive claims that her kind of anger and frustration with him is what makes the song so great. It's what brought out her amazing vocal performance. Like somehow that transformed the sound of her voice. And I have memories, kind of like we were talking earlier, Kristen, of being in my room, being sad, because I'd moved. Mm. This song is real melancholy. And I think I just listened to it over and over and just Mm -hmm. felt sorry for myself, really. Just, you know, I miss my friends. I'm still not a fan of this new life in New Jersey. I mean, talk about cultural shifts, Kristen, and Michelle, that you brought up. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're going from Texas to New Jersey. And that was culture shock for double, Mm -hmm. triple overtime. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Um, So I think I just would sit in my room and yeah, like I said, feel sorry for myself and shed a tear or two. Mm-hmm. So I know. I hadn't, it's so funny. I never thought of that song as being literal. That was somebody's parenting advice. Yes. Just keep it well, inside. It's all about the circus, though. Well, yeah, I guess he had to have some metaphor. She took off with some clown. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> there was nothing left but Oh, sawdust. yeah, the circus came to yeah. town. And some glitter. Oh, yeah, Which in my right. schema. Like when I think mm-hmm. of this song, I also start singing Send in the Clowns. And I'm guessing that's oh. why they're like, sit right. 
high each other in my little file cabinet of a brain. Yeah. Baby cried the day the circus came to town. Cause she didn't want parades just passing by her. So she painted on a smile and took up with some clown. While she danced without a net upon the wire. Well, okay, for me, I think I'm just going to start right off with, I mean, it wouldn't be 1979 if there were no Bee Gees. And so I'm going to be the one to bring the Bee Gees to the table. Okay. The song Tragedy just like lodged itself in my chest. I was like emotionally attached to that song. released by the Bee Gees, written by Barry, Robin, and Morris Gibb, all of them, and it was included on their album Spirits Having Flown, which is their follow-up to the Saturday Night Live, no, Saturday Night (laughs) Fever soundtrack. So they were flying high. Um, They wrote this song, Tragedy, and Too Much Heaven in an afternoon off from making the movie Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which I always have difficulty saying. And then that evening, they wrote Shadow Dancing. It's their, it's the superpower. <laughs> yes. I know. I know. Should we write some hit songs today, you yeah, guys? that's right. Let's just write know, some. more than one. Let's, yeah, <laughs> let's write some iconic songs. They'll be classics. Sit yeah. down. It'll take us a few minutes. Um, so this song is not on the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, but it has subsequently been added to the musical score of the West End version of the movie musical on stage, the stage musical of Saturday Night Fever. Tragedy knocked I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor off the top spot, out of the number one spot. For two weeks before then that then I will survive came back. They went back and forth in the number one spot for a while. This is prime Bee Gees era for me. I had posters torn out of Tiger Beat, the little pa- the, the not fold out posters, but the page size posters. Mm-hmm. And they I probably had ten of them that were in a line circling around my bedroom. The Bee Gees were like my north star, and it was like I had a musical crush on them. Because except for Barry with his lion's mane of hair, I didn't have romantic feelings Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. them. But I did want them to be like my uncles or my roommates or something (laughs) like that. They could have been your teen angel. Yeah, I wanted them to be my teen angel. There's one incident in which I feel like the Bee Gees kind of saved my life. And I know that's hyperbolic, but you know, when you're a kid, sometimes you're looking for a lifeline, right? And this is kind of what it felt like. We were at a family gathering or an... There's nothing strange to come, people. I'm, it is hyperbolic. Everyone just calm down. It's going to be okay. <laughs> nothing happened to me. Um, we were at a family gathering or a dinner party or something like that, and there wasn't anyone my age there. There were no girls. All of the It was all boys, and they were all teenagers, and I'm 11. So I'm feeling exposed, left out, uncomfortable. But then at one point, we all end up in the room of one of the boys, and he puts on spirits having flown. And tragedy comes on. And we all huddle around this album cover like a little gang of people in sort of entranced by what we were hearing, by this song, by the clap of thunder. 
And at that point, I didn't feel like the only girl. I didn't feel like a little kid. I felt like we were all wrapped up in this soft blanket of Bee Gees. And I remember thinking to myself, I hope this moment never ends. didn't because you're still carrying it with you. That's true. Yeah. I'm still I mean, right? That's mm-hmm. one of the moments. I mean, we can all say that. We yeah. don't have, you know, every we don't carry every moment of our childhood with us. And sometimes That's we right. carry really weird ones. Like why yeah. do I know why can't I picture that why can't I picture that time I was cleaning out my dirty goldfish bowl? But I can. Right. <laughs> but yet I can't remember important things. But Kristen, you did carry that with you. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And it's just a moment that is wouldn't be memorable. I'm sure none of those people remember that moment because nothing happened in that moment. Well, you know what did happen though? I bet you you felt like you belonged. I mean, that I like, mm-hmm. you know, basic need that we had. And you'd been feeling before that that you hadn't. And this music yeah. brought you this moment of kind of this togetherness and this sense of belonging and the way only music can do sometimes. So I think that's another reason it just really stuck with you. It mm-hmm. sunk into my cells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just one of them. Yeah. I was one of them. And they yeah. didn't think of me as a little kid. Right. And we all liked the same thing. And we were, I remember even our hands were on the album cover. Like all of our hands are on the album cover looking at spirits having flown. I love that. I've got yes. to look that up now because I can't picture it. It's, there's lots of like hair blowing. I know. <laughs> oh, it's very dramatic. I didn't get a crush on 1979 Barry Gibb until about two years ago. <laughs> yeah, right. And now, yeah. <laughs> Hey, hold on, everybody. Just mm-hmm. go watch How Deep Is Your Love video. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so for my next pick, we're going back to the roller rink, everyone. Stay with me now. Ready? Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 Young man. Yeah. YMC by the Village People is my second pick. Remember how cool the village people were? Oh, so oh my cool. gosh. And so ready for a- television. And I want to just get some stats out of the way because I think they're kind of impressive. Um, it reached number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in early 1979, placing behind both La Freak by Chic and Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Stewart. But outside the United States, YMCA reached number one in the UK about the same time, becoming the group's biggest hit. It has sold 12 million copies worldwide. And in March of 2020, so just still, this is still relevant, the Library of Congress described YMCA as an American phenomenon and added the song to the National Recording Registry, which preserves audio recordings considered to be culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. 
Amen. Just right. three right. checks yeah. all yeah. Yes. It does. It'll never go away. We will. I'm doing it with my arms right, right. now. We will always well, have this. And yes. isn't this interesting? I had to go back and um, yesterday watch the video, which is so fun. And it's just basically all of them dancing in different parts of New York mm-hmm. and a lot of times in front of the big YMCA sign. They never do that. They do the Y and then they do a step clap. That so was that us. that all came culturally. Yes. That, mm-hmm. That's a thing. That was so, us. I mean, and it was pretty fun when you're roller skating super fast. We did doing that it on roller time. skates. Yeah, we did. That's, That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, and I will say, um, I would challenge anyone listening that if you don't do those arm movements to this day, at least in your head, when you hear the song, you're a liar. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> you are. But um, really you quick, don't have arms. Yeah, I know. And you don't have, <laughs> or you don't have arms. <laughs> Like those awful jokes we used to tell as kids. Okay. okay. So at the outset, so at the outset, uh, you might think this song is just a bizarre musical tribute to the YMCA. You know, you can get yourself clean. You can have a good meal. Right? So, Oh, you can do whatever you feel. Yeah, you can do whatever you feel, yeah. right? Because that's what makes the controversy start to brew with this song. In the gay culture from which the image and music of the village people came, this song was implicitly understood as celebrating YMCA's reputation as a popular cruising and hookup spot, particularly for the young men to whom it was addressed. However, Victor Willis, the group's lead singer and lyricist, a.k.a. the cop, <laughs> uh, says he did not write YMCA as a gay anthem, but rather as a reflection of the fun activities that young urban black youth no. experienced at the no. YMCA. I'm sorry. Such as, yeah. Wait, wait. That's he keeps bullshit. Going, such as basketball or oh, swimming. Oh. <laughs> Or swimming, or or you can you can have a good meal or a good meal. I'm sorry, right? No, absolutely not. But wait, well, wait. Then then he will say this is what makes me love him. However, Willis has often acknowledged his fondness for double entendre. (laughs) (laughs) So it was probably January through June of '79 that I went to all the roller rink parties, Mm -hmm. and when I say all that, it was probably two tops in that short of a time span. But they stuck with me. And Miss yeah. Toth, my teacher, yeah. you know, she'd grab my hand when we skated. And I will, this was when the song was so popular. So to me, it is a good time song. It brings yeah. back lots of good memories of belonging and just having fun. Um, I love it. Young man, there's a place you can go. I said, young man, when you're short on your dough. on to my second choice, which is MacArthur Park by Donna Summer. Spring was never waiting for us, dear. It ran one step ahead as we followed in the dance. And I sang the song, kind of like it was some kind of an anthem, okay? Like at the top of my lungs. Yes. And I think I was probably also making up some disco routines because this was right around the time, as I've shared, that I was taking disco lessons at Marsha Highland's School of Dance. And remember, everyone, Marsha Highland choreographed for the Miss America pageant. So I took my disco lessons from the choreographer of 
the Oh, I did not know that. And I'm sure I was pretending I was on dance fever. So I was in my room doing those things. And I remember I had received the Donna Summer Live double album people gatefold for you (laughs) for Christmas (laughs) that year or that um, in 1978. So I had that album uh, and I I remember opening it up and I don't know if you guys remember the inside, but Mm -mm. there's a scene um, that kind of goes across a spread that goes across both sides of the gatefold inside. And it's a scene where Donna Summer is kind of far away on a stage and then there's a crowd. And when you're looking at it, it looks like you could be part of the crowd, like Mm -hmm. the way the Mm -hmm. heads are and everything in the picture it gives the illusion that you're part of this group that's there watching her. Um, and so I loved looking at that. The irony is that, okay, we've got a double album here. So I don't know. I, I don't know how many songs that would be total. But there were only two that I listened to on the oh. whole thing, which would be Last Dance and MacArthur yep. Park. Now, MacArthur yep. Park was kind of part of this um, suite of songs that kind of, you know, melded and went into the other, the next song. But it uh, it just stuck with me. One, because of those crazy lyrics. This song is widely considered by many critics to have the worst song lyrics of any song You're ever written. Well, there's the cake and it's melting yeah, it's and, and it just, yeah, yeah, and the rain. It just, I guess, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And for whatever reason, probably all the reasons I love it. I mean, you could just belt out you know, those lyrics about that cake and it's, yeah, the, and it was sad. I feel bad for the cake. I know. It's one of those misheard lyric songs that you think you're singing the misheard lyrics, but you're not. You're singing. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Because you'll never have the recipe. I'm like, the recipe. Again. Again. The cake is melting. It's terrible. And meanwhile, I'm doing the bust up and the hustle to the song and I'm <laughs> screaming it out the top of my lungs. So that is why I love MacArthur Park. Oh my God, I love I that love song that. too. That song would give me feelings. Yes. It was a very adult song. Yes. It felt so adult. And it, you know, it was kind of it, slow. It really crescendoed. And I yes. know you like a good crescendo, Christian. Oh, I do. I do. And she'd go, cre- ah! <laughs> Remember that well, part? So I'm already <laughs> thinking after we stop recording, I need to go and start putting all of our songs on a playlist. Oh, but yes. I bet, Kristen, you're going to do that for our listeners anyway, and maybe throw some of our other runners up. Oh, there'll be that. lots of runners okay, up. Okay, good. Because even like as we're recording right now, we were supposed to choose three, and then we were going to have some runners up. I still don't know which ones I'm choosing. <laughs> this, this is, is very a real on the fly. A game yeah. time very decision. Unfly. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Okay, so let's let's transition into my next one. I'm just gonna like I'm gonna throw the throw a dart and I'm gonna do yeah, the one do that it. is Close in front of me. Point. Yeah. My next song is Lady by the Little River Band. Look around you. Up here, 
time to make time, make time to be there. Lady, love it. Let me take take a look look at you you now. Oh, that is a very melancholy song for me. It's very, it's sweet and sad. It's that happy sad mixture, Mm -hmm. right? So um, here are a couple of things that I didn't really know about Little River Band. So they are from Australia. How did I miss that? I don't know. And um, they are, okay, that doesn't matter. They're from Australia and they evolved from a harmony rock group. Only in the 70s would you have a genre called harmony rock, um, a rock group called Mississippi that also included Rick Springfield. Wait, really? Yep. Uh huh. You know what I was just about to say, but it's so. I was just about to say, wait, he's way younger than them, but he's not. He's not. He just looks it. Because we just recently That's saw right. Little River Band. Mm-hmm. It was only like two or three members left. But they look like old men. Rick Springfield mm-hmm. does Rick Springfield does not look his age right now. No. Okay, I That's actually have to correct myself because it's not – okay, so Rick Springfield wasn't in Mississippi, but Mississippi was a band that came from another band in which they were together with Rick Springfield. So I know it's hard to follow this. But yeah. there's a thing with Little River Band and Rick Springfield, okay? <laughs> okay. Okay, so there's that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Don't, don't check. Don't Google it. (laughs) Don't Google it. So um, Lady peaked at number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 in April of 1979. And I turned 11 on March 19th, 1979. So this song was on the rise. It was on the radio, right? This birthday party came right after I had moved. So that first birthday, when you're in a new place and you haven't found your people yet, like, it, number one, it's sad, but also as a parent, can you imagine what it's like as a parent going, what are we going to do? Yeah. Well, I'm driving do? down to St. Paul and picking up your friends and bringing them I up know. to your new house. Well, that would have been a great idea, girl. <laughs> um, but what my parents did do, so my dad was the music teacher at my school. And so what he did was he just kind of handpicked the girls in the fifth grade that he thought would be good friends for me. And he invited them to our house for a surprise party, which was very, very sweet. It's super sweet. But it was also very conflicting because you're so touched that people cared about you and did a nice thing. But it was also, um, it made me feel very alone because Mm -hmm. I didn't know these people Mm -hmm. at all. It just sort of emphasized how I didn't have anybody. Like Mm -hmm. having the people there emphasized how I didn't have anybody. And And I felt disconnected from them. We were just really different and I knew it. And somebody suggested, my poor parents, again, are like, what do we do at this birthday party? How do we make them have fun? And it's my 11th birthday party. It's not my sixth. So we're not going to play party games or anything, right? So one of my parents suggested turning on the radio and dancing. And this was the song that came on the radio. Oh, no. Oh, And I feel like we may have had scarves. I could be making that up. I can't. I mean, in fifth grade, I can't believe they'd be like, scarf time. But I don't know. That could be. But we did. We kind of like swayed back and forth. And I felt really awkward. But I also remember this song just really reflecting the moment for me. This is a happy, sad song. Yes. It's that melancholy you feel. It was a melancholy song. It made me feel good and sad at the same time, which is exactly how I felt at my birthday party. Um, And then, of course, this was the birthday party where someone found my diary and they read it out loud to everybody. (gasps) No, wait. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This I didn't realize they were girls that you didn't really know. I did not know them. No, I didn't. And they they read the diary entry that revealed that my crush was Scott Sorensen. Uh huh. They read it aloud like it was a performance. And as I've said before, there was nothing I could do 
because I needed friends. So I couldn't be like, hey, that's not okay. I just had to laugh with the rest of them. Like, ha, 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 this is super you know, fun. You made How a really good me. after school special. Yeah, it's a scene. I was thinking that. <laughs> yes. It's a scene mm-hmm. straight out of yeah. a little movie or yeah. um, a Judy Bloom book or something yeah. like that. Oh, my heart. I'm so sorry. I know. So it's one of those moments of – So that's a conflict. Uh, Got to be a little bit of a conflicting song for you when you hear it's, it. It's very conflicting, and yet I love it so much. Oh, so it it's such a great singable song. It's like when you feel – when you have a good cry, it feels like a good cry. Yeah. That's what this song mm-hmm. feels like to me. And so I really do love it. Yeah. Oh, lady. Yeah. Let, Let me, me take, take a look, look at, at you now. They're on the dance floor oh, making me watch your song. third choice is uh, my mother's choice song, which I told you earlier. Um, and that is the main event. Extra, extra, I'm in love. I gotta thank my lucky stars. I had the 45. So, yeah. So my mother has, since I've known her, which is, you know, 54 (laughs) and a half years, been all caps obsessed and devoted to Barbara Streisand. Honestly, it's probably where I learned to be a good fangirl growing up Mm -hmm. with this type of devotion of a celebrity and um, around me being immersed in it. So suffice it to say, Barbara was constantly spinning on the turntable constantly, like so much that I actually don't care to listen to Barbara Streisand <laughs> as an adult. <laughs> Sorry, it, it, I, it mm-hmm. was over, it was, I was oversaturated yeah. by, mm-hmm. with Barbara. But when I saw that this particular song was released in 1979, I knew it had to be in my top three. Um, I'm not even going to go into the stats of the song because for me, this song is all about singing, which I did loudly to this song in 1979, 1980, 1981. And I listened to it for the first time the other day, probably in over 30 years while prepping for this. And I could still sing all the words, you know, how it starts out real slow. And then she ends with, oh, hurry, that. hurry, oh. don't be late. I can't wait. wait, wait. I, I got, got to celebrate. celebrate. It's, it's a, a fact. fact. We, we got a first rate act. act. Yeah. So oh I God. actually kind of still love it. <laughs> Um, and even though I've been oversaturated with Barbara, I kind we of make love. May or may not. The main event. <laughs> guys, right here. This da, is da, why da, this da. podcast works. How many other three people could get together and sing the lyrics to main event, write that like and that on a dime? You dial. guys, can you picture the album cover? Yes. yes. I don't know if you yes. can, but I, and their little boxing I have not mm-hmm. looked at this album. I did not look at this album cover in prep for this. Right now, 
it's just now coming to my mind. She has the super curly perms. Yes, yes. The, the and round she's in head. the box mm-hmm. and she's got the boxing gloves yep. on, right? And the tiny shorts, tiny, yeah. tiny oh, shorts. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Boxing um, shorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but um, I'll be honest, looking at the list, the Billboard Top 100 for 1979, that was a good year for Barbara songs. It was. I will mm-hmm. be, I will say the very unpopular opinion, although Carolyn, you, you'll half agree with me. I cannot listen to You Don't Bring Me Flowers because I abhor Neil Diamond. So yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful right. song. I would love to hear anybody else sing it, even with Barbara Streisand. I just, uh, it was too much. Um, but because of how much of a part of my childhood she was, I would be completely remiss if I didn't include one of her songs in one of these top song podcast episodes we do. So here it is, and it will be the last one. <laughs> <laughs> This was um, It's a good have, one though. It's a good one. We had this song in our house also because of my mom. So this is where my mom dips into popular music. So even though it's a disco song, which is what her children listen to, it's Barbara Streisand. So right. there yeah. you go. Right. Yeah. Gosh, I love that song. And Michelle, I must say that it's fresh on my mind because when we were in Maine, I think half the time I'd oh, be like, yes. we're going, the main event. Like oh, this funny. was Kristen's like yeah. main event. And I was just singing it all the time so it was oh that's great that's which means we have to go back to maine for more events because we got to keep singing the song extra extra Extra. i'm I'm in love love. i gotta thank my lucky stars (laughs) 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 don't Don't be late late. i can't (laughs) wait i gotta celebrate there was a lot of staccato kind of songs like yes. a lot of mm-hmm. in this in um 79 like i was looking at the super like the logical song there was a lot of you know just very staccato yeah. short yeah mm-hmm. yeah all right so there all right that everybody here we go top 3 that was a good event. one yeah. that was mm-hmm. a very good one all right you guys carol might um, oh carol's no, back oh, carol well carol's she, back. she's back in horror and dis- disbelief she oh, cannot oh. believe that this is um carol doesn't like this third song. choice okay carol's not a fan what is this nonsense um, my third song is I Want You to Want Me by Cheap Trick. <laughs> I want you to want me. I need you to need me. I Yes. And I love when it goes, I'd love you, you love, love me. me. Oh, God, yes. I love it. Well, because I really wanted someone to love me, okay? Aww. 13-year-old Carolyn was all in on this song. And why, you might ask? Because of a boy. <gasps> yes, I had a crush on a boy named David in eighth grade. And he loved Cheap Trick. Like, he would wear Cheap Trick t-shirts all the time. And I had a friend who lived in his neighborhood, and we would go over to his house and go up to his room and listen to music, Cheap Trick, Cheap Trick posters all over the wall. And I thought, you know, my little eighth grade brain reasoned that if I liked the same kind of music and knew the words, like when I was over at his house and I'm singing along, well, then I had a really good chance of this crush being reciprocated. But it never was. And you know what? I hadn't really thought about David again until a few days ago when we were doing this list because we went to different high schools. And so I started to do my research and I thought, whatever happened to David? Let's just hit (laughs) the Facebook. (laughs) And so after a little sleuthing, uh, oh, sorry, I found him and uh, he seems to be very happy. Um, It seems 
<laughs> married, has some kids. Guessing his musical taste might have moved on. I don't know. I didn't see any like cheap trick pictures in the background <laughs> or have him jamming at a cheap trick concert. It's a roadie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so he was a very short-lived, this little fling. But this gives you a little glimpse into maybe some of the things Carolyn might do in order to get a boy to notice her. Oh, absolutely. Much to share to Carol's chagrin, because there were oh, a lot of Carol mm-hmm. songs in 1979, too, which mm-hmm. you'll hear about in my runners-up. That was racy. That's right. <laughs> but this one, it um, I knew every single word, and I made sure, like, you know, when I'd see him, I'd kind of, like, hey. <laughs> Look at me. That's I know right. the words. I want, you just and I really did. I wanted him to want me. I so want him to want me. I was listening to Cheap Trick last very, night. That's right. But my that's, sister was like, she was three or four at the time when that song came out. And my brother and I taught her. We gave her a broom and that was her microphone. And remember how the song starts with, I want you right. to want, want me. me. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And so little Jennifer, little three-year-old Jennifer would go around with her broom going, I want you to <laughs> want me. <laughs> And that's always so cute when you can make little toddlers say sexually something inappropriate. Yeah, that's, that's right. So funny. That's yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that was my third choice. But my last official pick is "Love Is the Answer" by the soft rock duo England Dan and John Ford Coley. Carol this is was so a, happy. Carol. Oh, loves Carol your, is your so choice. excited. Yes. <laughs> Carol. Hashtag Carol approved. Yes. Right. <laughs> hashtag Carol loves. This was a number 10 hit in 1979, and I think I, I think that I have a lifelong love of this song because it's about as yachty as you can get. So it good. could be the yachtiest yacht rock song there is. It's so almost ethereal, a little, but it's got a nice drum beat to it. Oh, it's just so nice. So um, a lot of people think that this has a very Seals and Crofts vibe. And England Dan's name is actually Dan Seals. So then people think he is Seals from Seals and Crofts. But no, he is actually the younger brother of Jim Seals from Seals and Crofts, the actual Seals from Seals and Crofts. Why does his name England Dan, though? I'll tell you, Michelle. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) So he was given the nickname England Dan by his older brother of Seals and Crofts. and there's probably Seals and Croft. I'm just like Croft Super Show or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's all Croft. I don't know. Okay. So um, the nickname was a reference to the fact that as a kid, Dan Seals had fixated on the Beatles. He was obsessed with the Beatles. Ah. And briefly, he even spoke with an English accent. Oh. <laughs> I mean, who didn't? <laughs> yes. Right. Um, and so I don't have any specific memories of this song, only that when it came on, I was like, everybody stop. Mm. Every step. And I still do that. And it's kind of because when it comes on now, it's sort of an elusive song. It's not one in heavy rotation anywhere. You have to put it on a playlist. And so when I hear it, it's always like a memory coming back. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you sort of catch your I breath. Like, oh, my God, remember this song? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good feeling, right? right? So this is the song that England Dan and John Ford Coley would always end their concerts with. And if you think about it, that's a fantastic way to end a concert. Peace, love, and happiness. Yeah, love is, love the, is answer. the answer. You could, and then you just keep the feeling it going around and around the stadium. Love is the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's so John, singing it. Everybody's singing it. John Ford Coley was of the Baha'i faith. He had converted to Baha'i. Oh. And so at every concert, they would make an announcement that if you wanted to stay after the concert and have a little convo with them about the Baha'i faith, 
they'd be happy. They'd have a little rap session with you if that's mm. what you wanted. Um, and a lot of people think this is an overtly religious song. Some people think of it as a Christian song. You'll find mm. it in a lot of New Age churches. It was covered by tons of people, including Glenn Campbell and Rick Springfield, but mostly by Christian artists. People think this is a churchy song. Huh. I, would I need to pull up the lyrics yeah. now. I know. Isn't that I weird? mean, I can hear the melody in my head. Light up the world, shine on me. Love is the answer. Shine on us all, set us free. Love is the You know, Kristen, that's just a testament to, we've talked about this before in a lot of our previous music episodes, Mm -hmm. a song can touch you forever, really, and Mm -hmm. you can't explain why. Or a song can make you have that lump in your throat and you Mm -hmm. don't know why. And that's really just the power and the beauty of music. Yeah, You can't really explain what it is about this song. But I mean, even as a child, you're saying, everybody stop. Everybody stop. It was Mm -hmm. touching you then. Yeah. And I didn't know what it was. It was... And, and the the Maybe lyrics, Baha'i. I think <laughs> I should have stayed after the concert <laughs> and talked about well, Baha'i. At least you could have met them. I mean, I would have, yeah, maybe faked my interest in. I'd be like, Mom, I really want to learn about right. Baha'i. Yeah, um, I think the lyrics of this song too. I'm going to scroll down and find them. Did I already say this? This is actually written by Todd Rundgren too, oh. um, which makes a lot of sense because I have uh-huh. the same feeling about a lot of Todd Rundgren songs. They have this sort of very attractive quality to it. I don't know. Um, But the way that they put their lyrics together and run the last letter of one word to the first letter of the next Mm. is just like another one of their hits in which they say, I'm not talking about moving (laughs) in. in. Like, what are they saying? (laughs) Moving in. Moving in. I don't want to change your life. I'm not talking about moving in. I was surprised when I saw it on, I mean, I know the words to that song. Mm -hmm. I could sing it if it came on right now, but I could have never told you it was from 1979. I would have thought this was like, you know, early seventies or something. Yeah. Like hippie church. Yeah. Shine us all, shine on us all, set us free. Love is the answer. You know, the answer is love. Tell me, are we alive or just a dying planet? What are the chances? Ask the man in your heart for the answers. You can oh. see where this would be church. Oh, and when you feel afraid, when you feel when afraid, afraid, love one another when you've lost your way. Love na, na, one na, na, another na, na. when you're all alone. Little bridge love there. Yeah. One an- right? It's, it is mm-hmm. a churchy song. I can see how it works. And when you feel afraid, when you've lost your
so because this was such an amazing year, it's really hard to stop. It's, this was an amazing year for music, layered on top of our ages, which made music part of the fabric of our growing up. I want to leave time for you guys to mention any songs that get honorable mentions. Should our chosen songs for any reason be unable to perform their duties? <laughs> which songs would you like to be runners up to the crown? Well, all of my songs have been mentioned already in this episode, either by one of you or because they were a Grammy nom or a winner. Uh, so I'll mention them uh, quickly. And I think any of these songs could step up and fulfill the duty really masterfully. Mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. do. I have a lot of confidence in my in my, <laughs> in my my runners up here. So first is Don't Cry, Cry Out Loud, Melissa Manchester. And I have been a sucker for a beautiful, slow, sad melody and song like that since I was about 10. Um, also, it's about a circus. I mean, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, I was really into the village people, you guys. So in the Navy. <laughs> in the Navy. I mean, and another great roller rink song. Totally. And you got to do this. Mm-hmm. In yep. the Navy. Oh, I you forgot. Gotta, about you got to do your salute. <laughs> yeah, salute. Yeah. I want you. I want, I want you. you. I want, I want you, you as a new recruit. <laughs> I want you. Yeah. Uh, music Box Dancer by yeah. Frank Mills. I had the 45. I made up dances in my room by myself for hours and hours. And I still love that that tune. I it's do beautiful. Too. I was I'm a, working so hard not to sing. La Freak. That is on Aww, my dance party workout playlist today. I actually just got to see Niall Rogers and Sheik perform this song and all their others um, in August at Red Rocks. You guys, Niall Rogers is 71. The ladies are in like their late 60s. They killed it. Yeah. They killed They're never going to stop. Never going to stop, love never it. stopping. I, you know you know what that song is based on, right? Do you know where that song came from? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> okay. So one night in 1970, um, the members of Sheik were trying to get into Studio 54 and the bouncer didn't know who they were and would not let them in. And they were pissed. So they go back to their apartment, they get all their instruments, and they set up right in front of the entrance <laughs> to Studio 54, and they go, ah, uh, fuck you. Fuck you. That's what, and they're like, okay, this is a really good song. We could release this, but it cannot be called Fuck You. It could have been Fuck Off, actually. I'm not sure if it was Fuck Off or Fuck You. I have a a real strong memory with Le Freak because it was the number one song for so long. And remember, I have my little notebook where I'm recording the top 10. And so every week, the number one song was Le Freak. And my dad, as I said, was my music teacher. And we had music class on Monday morning. And one morning, he starts music class by saying, Kristen, what was the number one song last night? And up until that point, I thought I had been listening in secret. I did not know that my parents knew that (laughs) I was staying up until 11 p.m. listening to to Casey Kasem. And I remember very quietly saying, The Freak by Chic. (laughs) (laughs) And my dad wrote on the board, The Freak by Chic, because that's Mm -hmm. also fun that it rhymes. Exactly. By Uh, Chic. Yeah. Uh, My next runner up is the song that I thought would have been chosen as best disco song because it was my roller rink all damn day song. And that's Boogie Wonderland by Earth and Fire. Mm -hmm. Also one of my favorite songs on my current dance party workout playlist. And then I'm rounding out my runners up with just so delightful and singable. We are family by Sister Sledge. Yeah. We are family. 
family. I got all my sisters with me. Right? I probably, I probably, no doubt, made up a dance to that song as well as as, you know, ten-year-old Michelle. So, is there a woman who was alive in 1979 who doesn't sing that song like with every ounce of gusto Mm -hmm. she has? And what a good power, like female Mm -hmm. ballad, right? Like not ballad, but like powerhouse, like Yeah. yeah. Anthem. Uh, That's what my word yes, is. Yes. Anthem. Yeah. So um, I think those could all step up, don't you? Okay. I think they would take the they crown could, if they, they could take to. the crown and they just could, knock yeah. it out of the park. Perfect. All right, ladies. Carol had a huge say <laughs> in my runners up. Here we go. I just I love these songs. Wait, I same need- rubric? Same rubric for runners up? Um Maybe not. I don't think I owned all these 45s, okay. but I, okay. certainly, I, I can certainly sing them, and you certainly get a peek into what I was like in 1979. <laughs> Maybe this is why David, who loved Cheap Trick, did not find me attractive <laughs> because he knew that I was back at home listening to She Believes in Me by Kenny Rogers, perhaps. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a beautiful song. She was my girl. I could change the world with my little songs. I've also got Somewhere in the Night by Barry. Somewhere in the, in the night. night we will run. <laughs> Everything lovers can know. She's holding her pen so hard right now, singing into it. (laughs) Love that song. Okay. We've got tonight Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Oh, this is a theme. There is definitely a theme here. I love all these songs, Mm -hmm. too. I think Carol and I would have been good friends. Yeah. I I have no doubt. Without a doubt. (laughs) But I can also tell you that We've Got Tonight was also my sophomore cotillion theme. So it, although that wasn't until 1980, um, it still, it holds an I guess special place, interesting place. I don't really know mm-hmm. what the adjective is for the kind of place it holds in my heart with those memories of my sophomore cotillion. But yes, it was, um, it's a song that I, I do love it and I know it. Um, we've got some sail on by the Commodores. Sail on down the line by half a mile or so. Really wanna know where you're going. Oh yes, I Can love that song yeah, so much. Yeah. God, this uh, is a good year for music, you guys. I, I, know. I know, I know. This and is gonna be a good playlist. I'm gonna end with one that wasn't on the um, t- Billboard's top list for um, 100 for 1979, um, but it came out late '78 and it filled mm-hmm. my heart through probably all of 1979. <laughs> And this would be Longer by Dan Fogelberg. Aww. I love that song. It's so Another beautiful. Another interesting lyric. Like I had to figure out what a forest primeval was. Like what oh. is that? <laughs> and you know, but longer than anything. Like fishes in the ocean. That's I long. loved you. That's and long. I would sing that all the time. And I had the 45 and I have this memory of my friend Debbie. Debbie's made a lot of appearances in 1979 here. Um, We were driving back from my grandmother's house in New York um, to my house in New Jersey along the New Jersey Turnpike. And this must have come on on like two or three different times on two or three different stations. And Debbie and I would just blare it from the back seat. And my dad would be like, 
girls. Like he would just tell us, okay, like you've already sung it once. It, just, it was over and over and over. So I have this memory of my dad always with this song. And maybe he started to sing it like by the third time where he's like, I know all the words now too. Like longer than the fishes in the ocean. Finally, um, your dad's like, and harmonize. <laughs> Probably. But I loved, I loved Longer and I love Dan Fogelberg. And maybe at some point we'll do a Dan Fogelberg episode because, mm-hmm. you know, he had some great songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Meeting in the grocery store. Oh, that one. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Is that your list? That's my list. Great list. Those are all such good, like, feel songs, like feelings. I had a lot of feelings in 1979. I'm just going to, like, scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. (laughs) Oh, no. Literally, I have a list here, and I'm going to be making decisions as I scroll through the list. I want to remind everybody that the song that I thought I was the only person who liked the song, but it turned out that Megan McCafferty also liked the song, and then all sorts of commenters on Instagram were like, that was my favorite song. The song Making It by David Naughton came out in 1979. So that has to be a runner-up. Well, right. And it's Not like number that. 14 or yes. something in the Billboard Top 100 for I the no year. I had no idea. I, I thought yeah. this was an obscure song. I really I did. It, but it was a big song. Yeah. Making it. Do, do. Mm, 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 mm. Um, okay. 1979 was the year that I first became really aware of ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, mm. and the song Don't Bring Me Down. I remember yes. feeling like, is it disco? Kind of. But not really, but I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the logical song. Shake your groove thing, shake, shake your, your groove thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Tell them how to do it now. <laughs> At which uh, goes right into reunited. Oh it yes, feels oh that was so good. Oh, that was on my list. Yeah, oh. I love that one. So, um, just a fun note is that when Brian and I were listening the other night to the uh, Spotify's. 1979 list mm-hmm. and my Shrona comes on and he's like, I love it. I love it. That would have been my top. I was like, that would have been mine too. Reunited came on second. And I was like, oh, this is hard because I really want to put this on my list. And he goes, we would not have liked each other in 1979. <laughs> well, because he didn't like any of those sappy type of songs like that. And you at, can't at talk age badly 10, about Reunited. But at age 10, like, like Carol, I did. I mm-hmm. love Well, it songs. was a staple at middle school dances. I mean, that yes, was one of your was. slow dance songs. Mm-hmm. Um, can, I have a couple more that I want to share with you guys on my runner-up list. Is it runner-up or runner-up? Runners, runners. Okay, on my runners, runners up, up we are, list. We had this conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. we did? We Run- decided. Oh, it was in Lark. It was in Lark. Okay. If you I watch Miss America, you know it's runners-up. Okay. <laughs> Here are the ones to complete my runners-up list, Okay. And these I kind of put together because they're almost the same song to me, even though they're two different songs by two different people. And it's nice to know that they made it on Hot Night City Lights. This would be Knock on Wood by Amy Stewart and Ring My Bell by Anita Ward. It's like the same song. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I get Amy Stewart and Anita Bell mixed up. Anita Ward. I mean, yeah, that's right. Anita Ward who's saying, yeah, Ring My Bell. (laughs) But I love those songs. And I did own both of those on 45. Mm -hmm. And then rounding it out would be Carol. Um, with maybe one of Carol's number one songs of 1979. And this would be 
I'll Never Love This Way Again by oh. Dionne Warwick. Oh, that is a carol song. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And my yeah. little 45, That's FM. My 45-year-old heart <laughs> just love that. And I did own it as a 45. Uh, that's one of my mom's pick songs because it was always spinning on her turntable. Like mm-hmm. also like the Dionne Warwick album, but yeah. I did. I, it is a beautiful song. I will. I will have to side with Carol on that too. Okay, my next pick. I'm so glad you took main event, so I didn't have to add that to my list because I also love related to main event. Enough is enough is enough. No, 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 no. I don't even know what the words are. I can't go on no longer. Enough is enough is enough. That one drives me insane. Yes, it is. Very staccato. Donna Summer and Barbara Streisand. Um, another one that I had the 45 for, and I loved this song so much, was Take Me Home by Cher. And it was Cher's contribution to the world of disco. Oh, oh, we're dropping it in right here. We're doing a clip of Take Me Home. You, Both of them are looking at me like yeah, they've never not, heard this I song. I bet we have. I bet we have. Okay, I'm going to play it right now. Take me home. Take me home. I want to feel you close to me. The album cover is famous because she's got like this gold Viking outfit on, like Viking wings on her head. But the the Viking outfit is really only like covering her nipples and her pubic hair. <laughs> wow. And that's it. That would be share for you. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Whew. Okay. So take me home. Here's another song, you guys, that I love. Is it Andy Gibb? Is it the Bee Gees? Who knows? I love it. Don't throw it all away. Yeah. I love. I love. Don't throw it all away. I love. I love. Don't throw it all away. I love. Okay, I love that song. We already talked about Chucky's in Love. My brother had that forty-five. different thing I'd ever heard in my whole life. Time Passages, Mm -hmm. which is a great song. Anytime you post anything retro on Instagram, you always got to do Time Passages, right? Um, You guys, 1979 is what gave us the song September, turning September 21st basically into a national holiday. incredibly classic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw in, after you just said September, I'm going to throw in another Earth, Wind, and Fire song because I did oh, have good. it on my list. Okay. Um, and that's After the Love Has Gone. Oh, I, oh yeah. I had that album. Oh, I there was a so lot much. of kind of heartache songs yes. in 79, which I, yes. it appears I gravitate toward. Um, yeah. But yeah. That's when I was practicing my calligraphy and I oh. would write down the lyrics to songs in my best calligraphy. And so After the Love is one of them that I did. And then I would take a cigarette lighter and I would oh, burn oh, the edges yes. of the parchment paper. <laughs> I'm sure my parents thought I was smoking. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, I'm just doing calligraphy. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. And I was so afraid of, like, 
fire. And this is probably another reason I never smoke. I don't like trying I'm, to light a match. And I hate sparklers. No. And I don't like lighters. So I would have never been up there doing the paper. Okay. And the last song, I've saved this one for last. And I, and I save it for a reason. It was the number one song of the entire year. And that is Ma 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 Sharona by The Knack. important to me is because when I heard my Sharona for the first time, I got this lump in my throat because I was like, oh my God, disco is dead. Mm. It was like, I knew it. You are very just wise. Remember, I was 30 years old when I was born. (laughs) She's been doing buttoning her life. I was 45. (laughs) And then I think coincidentally, so I have this moment, and I love the song just like everybody else does too, but it was a sad song for me because I knew the music that I loved was now gone. It was going away. Um, And my Sharona charted again in 1994 when it was included on the Reality Bites soundtrack. And that moment when my Sharona is in the movie um, Reality Bites with Winona Ryder, Steve Zahn, Janine Garofalo, Ethan Hawke, that was a Gen X moment. It was the first time that I think Gen X was, number one, identified as an age group that something special was happening to. We had very specific things about us and that we were invited to enjoy our nostalgia. So if you remember, Janine Garofalo has a Charlie's Angels lunchbox. They sing Conjunction Junction. And that's when all of a sudden Gen X culture became a thing. Mm-hmm. And Schoolhouse Rock was released on VHS. And all of a sudden, you you were, you were making mixtapes of 70s songs. And we became a thing. Yeah. I thought it was okay to listen to the Carpenters again. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thanks to Reality Bites. talk about the songs from our childhoods, we're talking about so much more than songs that were just good or bad. It gets a little emotional, even if it's just because you like something so much or because you get a funny feeling when you hear it, kind of like love is the answer. It's something warm. It could be both unsettling and comforting at the same time. That funny feeling might be you standing in your own shoes 44 years ago for just a split second. That could be what that funny feeling is. And that makes it very hard to stop this conversation. (laughs) It's impossible to include every song that stirs something inside us. We could go on like this for a few more hours, but I'm going to hand it over to you, the listeners now. Next time you're chatting with somebody, you're in the break room at work. Do they still have break rooms? I don't need need to go to work anymore. Working at home. It's called called your kitchen. (laughs) Your kitchen. (laughs) Ask somebody if they remember what their favorite song was in 1979 which is me taking this awesome feeling that we have right now and giving it to you. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. And today's episode was sponsored by our supporters on Patreon and our one-time donors on our website. Just go to our website and look for the support button, and it will show you how to leave a tip for your favorite podcast. That's us. Yeah, we <laughs> hope. Yeah.
<laughs> and today we'd like to recognize the support of Amanda and Liz and Liz and Courtney, Tracy and Carla and Lance and Kevin and Marilyn, Kristen and Debbie. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the cast of Three's Company. Two good times. Two happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. Cheers. The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the Crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you.